what I realized was is busy was a way to not be intentional because what are you busy about, right? And then this modern idea, or we think it's a modern idea that it's we don't have enough time, that because it's technology or because of the fast-paced world we're in, and this quote from Lazu really made me realize this is a human condition, and that is time is a created thing. But to say I don't have time is like saying I don't want to. And then I started thinking about time because that was my... That and money were my excuses for stopping me from doing the things I said I wanted to do. And when I started recognizing that it was me, that it was stopping me, I was like, wow, that was really, I can change me. You know, that's the thing is, is that everybody is given the same amount of time, right? That is a resource that we're all given, but it's really not time where the impact is. It's the energy and the intentionality of the usage of that time. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Karen Briscoe. And man, you are going to be encouraged by this conversation that we had. Karen is a mother, she's a wife, she's a top realtor, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And I got introduced to her because she actually directly reached out to me. And, and you know, when whenever someone directly reaches out to you, there's potentially a little bit of skepticism. And so what we ended up doing was we hopped on the, a Zoom and I got to like hear a little bit of her story. And probably within five minutes, I'm like, Karen's probably one of the like most motivated inspirational people that I know. I mean, I'll just I'll just give this the, the teaser. You're feel like you're too old, or if you feel like you're too young, or if you feel like you don't have time to accomplish this, or you feel like you just, you know, X, Y, like whatever excuse you have in, in the reason why you're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish, I would encourage you to listen to this and uh, reflect on, on reflect on what if Karen would have um, shared those things. I mean, she gives really key tips in her book, The Five Minute Success, and it's it's really, really powerful, but, but she's also accomplished so much at an age where most people would be talking about retirement. So without further ado, here's my friend, Karen. Karen, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Caleb, I'm so pumped about being here because we've had a little bit of conversations. I've read your book and you said you watched my video. And so I feel like we're already jump starting at a very high level. Well, to kind of give a little bit of context, I had Jordan on my show. Yes. I think you reached out to me and I get hit up a lot, right? It's like, it's like emailing me like, Hey, I want to be on your show that that's can be tricky. And so we set up a call and I, I was a little bit skeptical at first, I'll be honest. And then hearing you talk and watching your videos and like being introduced to your books, I am so excited that you're here on my show and it's going to be a blast having this conversation. And, and so I uh, thank you for being here. Well, and I'm excited to be a part of your community because as you and I have talked about, the greatest asset is yourself. And yeah. when people recognize that and actually put that in in into practice in their daily life, everything changes. 100%. Now, you have your website called 5minutesuccess.com, which I really love, and we're going to unpack that kind of idea. But watching your video, you opened up your talk about calling out the people that say, I'm too busy for this, or I'm too 
you know, I'm good. Like they just answer like, I'm good. And, and I'm, I'm convicted by this because in college I had this habit of walking down, like walking to class and someone would say, Caleb, how are you? And they would keep walking. Right. And I'd say, good. How are you? I didn't even turn around and I definitely didn't even care what their answer was. So I was like ingrained in, in this. And I'm thinking, man, I want to live an intentional life. Talk about not being intentional at all. So I kind of made like a, 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 like a line in the sand. I am, I refuse to just ask people if I'm going to ask someone how they're doing, I'm going to actually listen. And I refuse to use good or I'm doing awesome. And just, just like, that doesn't say anything. So you, by saying that, I want to open up this conversation by your epiphany and like this idea of like, everyone's so busy and we're like a slave to this world. And that was my epiphany very similarly around the word busy. I would see people and they would ask me how I was doing. And I'd say good, but busy. And it's, it's almost become a competitive arena. Being busy is like a sign of you're productive or you are successful. And it, what I realized was is busy was a way to not be intentional because what are you busy about, right? And then this modern idea, or we think it's a modern idea that it's we don't have enough time, that because it's technology or because of the fast-paced world we're in, and this quote from Lazu really made me realize this is a human condition, and that is time is a created thing. Mm. To say I don't have time is like saying I don't want to. And then I started thinking about time because that was my... That and money were my excuses for stopping me from doing the things I said I wanted to do. And when I started recognizing that it was me, that it was stopping me, I was like, wow, that was really, I can change me. You know that, Caleb? You know, that's the thing is, is that everybody is given the same amount of time, right? That is a resource that we're all given, but it's really not time where the impact is. It's the energy, and the intentionality of the usage of that time. Absolutely. And, and what do you tell your team or people that say, oh, Karen, I don't have time for that because that is one of my pet peeves that I'm starting. I get bothered more and more when people say that because what they're actually saying is they don't, they don't want to prioritize it, but they're, they're making time being the excuse so that they don't have to take responsibility. That's at least my opinion. So the whole idea of prioritization is actually, if you think about it, priority means one. So mm-hmm. to truly say you're prioritizing is an oxymoron because if it's only yep. one thing is a priority, and that's a modern, we've, we've changed we've, that word uh, to mean a sequence of things, but it really is one thing. So what, and I'm going to quote the one thing, Gary Keller, Jay yep. Papazon, what is the one thing can do such by doing that? Everything else becomes easier and necessary. And what I found is the one thing I can do is to put my one thing first and literally first. And then a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, it's a new time management technique or strategy or work-life balance. And I'm like, yes, I can hear how they think that. But that is not the – what I propose is to flip time. And that comes from Abraham Maslow and the hierarchy of needs because there's this philosophy that comes out of that, that you're supposed to work your way up a pyramid. Right. You're supposed to do the basic needs, the physiological needs first, and you have safety needs and, and relationship needs, and you have esteem needs. And then you 
are to focus on self-actualization. The problem with that is people then often run out of time because it's, you've seen the, the container, the glass container where put in the big rocks first. Yeah, you, you put in the rocks or, or if you put in the sand. And then you fill yeah, it up yes. with sand or smaller pebbles and then sand and then water then it's full. But if you were to put the water in first, you would not get, there would not be space for all of the other things. So in another way, you're saying we need to start with the most important thing. I, I like to call this like your why, your, your, you know, what, what are you put on this earth to do? And the things that you say are most important to you, you need to start that there and then everything else will fill in as far as like eating and making sure that we have money and, and shelter and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And it's really actually even better than that. There's this philosophy also that's said in a lot of places about the put your oxygen mask on first. And and that is a survival perspective, like a scarcity mindset. There's only so much air. If we don't, if individually you don't put the oxygen mask on first, you're not capable of helping anybody else. And that is true. It is an abundant perspective that by putting my oxygen mask on first by self-care and focusing on what makes me come alive, then I am, I have the energy and the, to, and passion to actually thrive, which is way better than survive. And that in, in effect will impact everybody else. And the, that's where when in flipping the pyramid, so if you think about Abraham Maslow's pyramid and you flip it and you put self-actualization first or some people call it zone of genius or meaningful work or, or there's a lot of flow, there's a lot of different ways they talk about it. But if you put it first, think about it, everything else will be better. Your relationships will be better because you will be living an authentic life. You'll be living true to yourself. If you put yourself first and those needs first, then you will truly be safe and secure because you will be secure in yourself because you could be anywhere. And if you're true to yourself, you can live with yourself. You will be really productive. I become more productive the more I put first these. And and, and, and productive about what is a question. And that is what is important it's you, right? So it's not the world's definition of productive, but if you want to look at the world's definition of production, productive, I've sold twice as much real estate <laughs> this year. So could say that it was actually less productive, me operating out of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs model of working your way up when I started flipping it. Right, totally. And I and I 100% agree with you. It's when we get clarity on what we want, um, we're... I'm, I'm in the 1% of 1% in my business. And that's not because of like, that's not because I'm doing something like a sales tactic. It's because we're getting clear on what we're trying to do. And we're, and then we're bringing a team and I'm focusing on the things that I really need to be focusing on. And, and it's amazing. It's not like a, it doesn't just happen immediately, but I'm telling you, it's been, it's been pretty incredible after. And I've read uh, Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. And it's changed my perspective. And it's constantly, we go back to our team every day, like what's the wildly important thing that we could all be working on today. So Karen, one of the things that I am so impressed with you, and it's kind of interesting, I kind of had this epiphany while you were talking, is I am on the young side. So everyone looks at me, they're like, 
I don't even know like if you should be like driving a car right now, but you're like helping people with money and all this stuff. And what's cool is you have the exact opposite. And and by the way, for those of you that are freaking out right now, I'm not calling Karen old. She's you look like you're 40, but you're not. And you got started when most people would just want to throw in the towel. You got started when you were like 57 years old. So I'm hoping we can, you can share your backstory because I think it's powerful. And I want you to go back to where, like, where, like, not even like when you first got started, you know, as, you know, as a mom and all that kind of stuff. But then I want you to share kind of the epiphany because I think some of the people that are listening might have this belief like it's too late and you are and and you're i see you're it's, that's absolutely yes, false absolutely that is like one of the first things is start today if i can do it you can too and i am so glad that you point that out because that is also a limiting belief right age is limiting belief because it really truly i am more active today than i ever was i am accomplishing more than i ever have and so the idea that well, I mean, if, if also if you like study like Carl Sanders and Ray Kroc and other success, you yeah. know, Grandma Moses, I mean, they, they started at what many people consider uh, the end of their life. As many people have, there's, you know, quarter life epiphanies or crises, if you want to look at it as a crisis, there's midlife crises or epiphanies. And then there's that, you know, last half or last quarter uh, life where sometimes people uh, have these revelations. And so I'm not that unique in the sense of that. What is unique is that I decided to d- take action on it, right? Because instead of letting it hold me back right. and limiting, I was recognized that the person who was stopping me was me. That was my biggest epiphany. And that if it was me, then that meant I could change me. Prior to that, I had a worldview of the world should change and then I'll change in, and not in, I lived a very good life. Really. None of this is like, I was not living a bad life. I have a loving husband of 32 years to children that I am very proud of. And I'm so blessed and honored that I stayed home with them when I did, but there was a little bit of a knight in shining armor um, fallacy or fable syndrome that was going on that, that my husband was going to meet all my needs, which is not fair to him. Um, and in, in his career would do that. The fascinating thing is, is he let, he had a very successful career and he, but, but what happened was I, realized that I would I really wanted to go back to work and I stayed home with our children full-time for uh, 15 years and then I went back to work one of the common questions I like to ask is how, how did you meet your husband ah we met in a uh, group called Christian friends of business okay and there was a networking it was not a singles group although people okay. tease me about this uh, where you would put your business card in a basket and you would draw a card and you would take that personal lunch and I drew his card, and he and I went to lunch. And he, at the time, he was 35 and single. And I said, well, why aren't you married yet? Because you're kind of an eligible bachelor in this group. And, and he said, well, I haven't found anybody can keep up with me. And I was like, well, I could keep up with you. I don't know what the big deal is. Uh, so I, I, we, we are very high-energy people and, and very driven. I put my energy into our children. He put his yeah. energy into the career, which is – really a lot of people and I'm so glad I did because right. I I look back and I am glad that that was 
a gift that I could give to them and to our family. That's incredible. But at the same time, there was a lot of sacrifice associated with it because he traveled a lot. So, and then I was, you know, primary caregiver for a lot of, and it wasn't my, it wasn't my skill set. So it was very, Mm. I was intentional about wanting to do it, but it was not like my highest and best use. Now, when you're, now when you're in your thirties, you know, raising a family, were you at all bitter about having to stay home and kind of jealous of your husband? Or is it one of those things where you didn't even, because did you work before that or did you work while you were at home? I was in real estate, commercial real estate, and I had a pretty successful career. I was bitter. And that's, I I look back on that and I'm not proud of that because the one thing I'll, I tell people when they ask me, they're like, well, you know, would you do it all over again? I was like, yes, I would do it all over again, but I wouldn't do it all over again with the same attitude. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's powerful. I would have, I'm so glad I did it. And I'm rewriting my, the story of it. Um, but I just sharing that if it's, if it's not, it, what it was for me is it wasn't my skill set. So it was very mm. outside my comfort zone. So I was constantly be pushed into areas. Now, as a business person, this is my comfort zone. This is where I shine. And that was, I think a lot of what happened was my self-esteem was uh, being, was not strong because I wasn't being fed in a way that made me feel like I was uh, accomplishing something. So returning to the workforce is where that accomplishment started happening. And that's why this Maslow's hierarchy needs is very powerful because when I start, if I knew what I knew now, if I knew I was going to be this successful now, I think I could have relaxed into it. I had heard a lot of people say, Oh, you, you left your career. You're not going to ever get that back again. That was a mindset that was, or I was a limiting belief. A limiting belief, but that was very common if for my age uh, that, that many women thought that. They were led to believe that. When did so you get back into the workforce? 2006 is when I started working full-time. Okay. And you did, were you into the real estate world or did, what yes. did you- Yes. I had gone okay. back into commercial real estate and I found that I did still miss my children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was when this- part-time residential opportunity came and I met with success really rapidly in 06 when our son left for college. And so he's our oldest child. That was when I started working full-time. It was a very good couple of years, but if you'll remember what happened in 08, financial markets crashed, the real estate market crashed, and my business partner who had taken over her business, uh, she died. Oh no. Yeah. September was of 08 was not a good year. Oh, no. So then it was I, there was even these questions like, oh, I really wasn't supposed to do that. You know, you, you start having all these, I did start having all these doubts. But um, the good news is I'm resilient and resourceful and set about rebuilding the business. And a, a business partner or a, a past client who's a friend from church uh, joined me the next year in 09 and is now, has been my business partner for 10 years, revitalized, I mean, the energy of having someone that didn't have any of the expectations of what the market would do, we all just relearned it, right? So and we rebuilt it. And, and that has been a real blessing to recognize that doing it alone is, is not a strategy that um, works for me. I really like to be in community with people. And so the real estate success was, was strong. Um, then I felt like there was something still missing. And this is where, the again, the flip time came in because I felt like there was more for me to do. I still sell real estate. It's my primary business and we've sold $80 million this year. So it's really That's amazing, by the way. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. That's awesome. I'm still the primary rainmaker. So it's it's not like it's held me back. But by being 
but, but wanting to give something back, that's when I started on this journey of personal development that may help me recognize that what was missing was this self-actualization, this meaningful. And that really, what was the aha moment? Because you were, in, you got into the business back in the business in 2006. You had that really bad year in 2008. But in the math in my head, it's like, then you must have like just been in business treading water till like 2015? No, we, every year was better. I mean, 08 and 09 were definitely the bottom. And I remember having a okay. conversation with my broker like, okay, so maybe other careers would be great, like being a broker, <laughs> being a manager. And then when Lizzie joined me, it, it helped me revitalize my energy. And so then it was it was set back about rebuilding. So it was every year got better okay. up until about 2015. And then I was like, okay, so now it's really good business and I have a great marriage and my children are doing well. Why is there still something missing? Yes. And and that's when I started on the path of what I would call personal development. But always a strong faith in, 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 in fact, I actually went to seminary, strong faith and involvement in our church. And it wasn't that that diminished. What it made me realize was that I have special gifts and talents and that I wasn't fully being yeah. the person I was created to be. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Hal Elrod and the Miracle Morning. And I, I am. Lo- love so it. He's, he was actually on the Today Show recently and he said something that was so profound for me. This is what happened. So he, he was being interviewed uh, and with the, and I'm, I don't remember his name, but the the young man who fell through the ice and died by or what for 15 minutes there was recently a movie about his story and his mother and her incredible faith and prayer and the community and all that prayer brought back him to life and honors god and and all of that and so the question was mm-hmm. to hal so is it your faith in god cuz hal's had two one near life death experience with with a car accident and one with cancer. He says the financial market crash in 08 actually tested him more than anything. It's fascinating. He said, I do believe in God and I have a faith in God. It was my belief in myself that I was created to do something and that I could do it is what led to my transformation. And that is the best way I can describe it for me. It, in fact, I think I would say maybe my faith is even stronger because I am actually now recognizing the gifts I was given, using them. Yeah. In real estate, we call it highest and best use. Now, re- utilizing them in my highest and best use. That, that's extremely powerful. One, one of the things now I want to break down is your five minutes a day. You've written a couple of books on this. And I know for me, I love the idea of being more productive with my time. Uh, that's like the one of the most important things I'm trying to focus on. And yet it's so difficult. So do you want to explain to me like what you're, because you have a podcast, you have books, you have a whole community and you wrote it or you wrote your first book when you were how old? 57. Yeah, there you go. So if I can do it, you could do it too. So what it came out, I had been doing a lot of training and speaking and coaching and people kept saying, oh, this is all great. I love your material, but I don't have enough time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this time thing was really... So I'm like, well, you have five minutes a day. And everybody said they have five minutes a day. 
And so in writing a real estate book, I, I call it a, a unique delivery system, if you will, because most real estate books or business books are written um, chapter one, chapter two, they're written literally, right? Right. In a literary fashion. I was like, what if you, every day you would get a nugget, a story, a takeaway of information that would help you achieve a higher level of success in your business and life? And I brought it, actually, what I call in devotions and motivational literature. They've, they've done daily readers for you know eons. Yep. All I did was bring the business. It's like a daily devotional that's non-spiritual. Uh, yeah, yep. Okay. Yeah. For real estate agents. Yes, for real estate agents. And so what happened, though, is so powerful. Several things. One, my publisher that I worked with, he said, okay, this is great. Every day is random, which kind of feeds into the salesperson's typical mojo is there, you know, always after the next shiny object and squirrel phenomena. So everybody's different. He said, but there's basic fundamentals to this, right? I mean, I'm like, yes, there are. It's, and I literally, I just sketched it out like on a napkin. I was like, it's commit to get leads. Everybody needs business. Yep. To, to some way, even churches, they call that evangelism, but everybody does lead generation. Yep. Then there's consult to sell. So everybody has a process in, in, in real estate. It's, it's a conversion from a lead cu- client to customer to a client that leads to a transaction of buying a selling house. In churches, it's, it's some form of ministry. It's either worship or it's, it's programming like, like Sunday school or whatever. Right. And then the next component is connect, build, and grow. Because what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs and even churches is they get stuck on a hamster wheel. They're only as good as their next deal. They're only as good as their next worship service. You have to build and grow something sustainable and scalable. And then everybody, I find, needs some sort of mindset routine or principles that they live by. And I call that success, thinking, activities, and vision. So this structure inside the book, and then I just found it was so powerful because reading something every day is habit, and habit formation is key to success. And it has it, it can have several different effects for different people. It could be a domino, right? It could be like the one thing and doing that every day. It can be like the ripple effect, like you do that one and then it ripples out. and Or it could be a snowball. It can build on it it's different for different people, but I've, I've heard all of those different experiences and the doing it every day is can people are more likely to remember it. That's the other challenge with a lot of business books or really even any kind of development book or seminar or training. It's almost tsunami like, like, okay, this is all good, but I can't remember all this and I'm not going to remember when I need it. Right. Or you just get overwhelmed because it's like, this is so amazing. And the next week's incredible. And then the Monday morning comes around. Yes, and, and and they don't remember when they need it. So if you don't, if you if it's information and you don't apply it, or it's inspiring and you don't put it into action, it just then becomes entertainment. So what changes people's behavior is habits. Habit formation has way more impact, and so setting up the habit is the other aspect to why it has become really a a, a movement, if you will, and then. I was a guest on so many podcasts, as often happens when you become an author. And then that led to me realizing, well, if I have a podcast, I have a format. And the fascinating thing is, is I'm at over 200 episodes. And 
the conversations with people from all different professions and walks of life, and I've even had ministers on there, they all do go through this process. I mean, these are fundamentals. And so that's why I think that it's so powerful. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now I want to switch you to the whole real estate world. Uh, A lot of people listening to this are investing in real estate or realtors or just like see real estate as an amazing asset because it's an asset that you can use leverage. Your money will hopefully appreciate as the economy goes up. You could potentially cash flow it if you're using rental real estate. Uh, And uh, it's one of those things, again, where it's it's sort of like an and asset as as it relates to um, just you know being able to use it as different tax advantages and like I said with the leverage part. So a lot of people in the real estate and the fact that you did eighty million of of sales was that last year or is that this year? Currently, right now, twenty nineteen and it's August. That's an, that's amazing. So what is what's like the secret to your success? Number one for selling, but then also. What, what do we need to know about real estate that you know, and, and how can we like take that to the next level? So the secret to any sales is commit to get leads. Okay. And because what happens is until you have a lead, you have nothing to do. Right. So if it's wanting to be an investor, the first thing is to commit to find you know, the first property. If you're an entrepreneur, it's to find the idea. If you're a salesperson, it's to find person, somebody who's ready, willing, and able to buy and sell a home. What happens is people quote unquote, get busy and they stop doing that. And the best way to have success is to commit to how many, and I, some people time block, I prefer what I call activity blocking. And that is for me, five a day. That's my thing. I've been doing that since 2002. I I reach out and touch five people a day about how I can be of service to them and their real estate needs. And some of them, it could be quite some time before they actually do it, but but you build that pipeline. Some people will be more ready than others. So I would say that is the, the number one success principle for why I've achieved what I've achieved. And by the way, whether whatever, if you're in sales, if you're in your financial advisor, if you're in real estate, if you're an entrepreneur, isn't that so true? Like everyone needs to focus on filling the pipeline and getting leads. And if you're a minister, right? Because they yeah, don't have right. people coming in the church doors. There's nobody. You could be the best preacher in the yeah, world and no, no one's no listening. One's going, yeah. Yeah. So, and then on real estate, and I, I thank you for pointing this out because it's such an amazing asset class. First of all, it's the only thing that's real, mm-hmm. right? Because real property is real. So it's the only thing that we buy and sell and can own that is real. And because of that, it has some unique properties. In terms of being an investor and for passive income, for like say for owning property as a rental, it was a real epiphany for me that when people are wanting to earn passive income, they'll build up a portfolio of funds and then to achieve a certain rate of return. So like, let's say Mm -hmm. a million dollar portfolio. Well, to achieve a million dollar portfolio, you first have to earn a million dollars to save, to pay taxes on, right? And you'll get a, at 6%, you know, you're going to get a a $5,000, you'll get 60,000 a year, right? So that would be about $5,000 a month. So if you could have something that would earn you $5,000 a month, you in effect have a million dollar asset. And can I, just my nerd. Yeah, I want to hear your end. A million dollars, you're not going to get 6% a year because you would run out of your money way too fast. So let's say you need $2 million a year to safely get 
60K. So there you go. That just makes it a better example, right? But with the power of leverage, most yep. investors can buy a million dollar asset with $200,000, but you get to own the million dollars. And the person who pays the mortgage, which is structured as most people do, is someone else. So what other asset class can you acquire a million dollar asset with 20% down and not pay anything else? <laughs> really, I know. truly. I'm like, wow, is this like, I feel like this is something we should be shouting for the mountaintops. Now, right. there should be, in my view, the there are some people that are successful at flipping. It requires, you really have to be, uh, have a strong stomach and a lot of reserves. Right. I'm more of a buy and hold perspective. And rent out kind of deal? Yes. Okay. And then um, you do usually, because of in the United States, rents typically rise and real estate over time uh, uh, increases in value. And, but the, the beautiful thing is, is that your debt is going down, right? right? So when you look at that chart, it's like, it, it really is so powerful. Real estate is one of those asset classes that is truly, truly incredible. And it's physical, like you can go and touch it. And it's, it's like, that's powerful as well, because so many people are putting their whole life savings and investing in a paper asset. And the only reason that paper asset is valuable is because you say it's valuable. Because they have a belief in it. And the other thing that happened was people were using their homes as cash registers and I or the real estate cash registers. Yep. And that is not what I am proposing at all. So when I'm talking right. about leverage, I'm talking about, as you said, I am a firm believer of 30 year fixed. I mean, and somebody, I, we just bought our uh, investment property in the my husband is 67. He goes, I'm going to be 97 when this is paid off. And I said, well, yes and no. I, hopefully you'll live to 97. Um, we do have a plan for also a, a, an aggressive payoff schedule to create this passive income. So it, it wasn't bought with this idea that we literally, but we wanted to leverage our ability to borrow at a time when we are capable of borrowing so that, that we can get these assets in place so that then we have the what we, we need in place in order to create the passive income uh, that we want to, to have in our life. And the other thing that you shared about buying well, I, I can't be understated because the there's, there's basic fundamentals to real value in real estate. And if you're not sure what those are, I would encourage you to talk with Caleb <laughs> further. <laughs> buy, buy Karen's books. <laughs> yes, buy the books. The, the main thing is, is that it, it has to be, it, not has to be, what I find is the best values are looking at the ratios of return on investment for the rent relative to the, the purchase price. And then look for, what I look for is a quality tenant. Because a quality tenant is going to take care of my asset. One of the questions that I love asking people like you is how do you define better wealth? Better wealth is, well, wealth is more than money. And, and you and I have talked about that your greatest asset is yourself. And there's actually a great quote by Warren Buffett. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's ultimately there's one investment that supersedes all others. Invest in yourself. So I look at wealth for myself is my ability to, to create value. And where there is value and opportunity, then there is so much more than just money. 
because I think about the people in my life and when I create value in their lives and how that enriches my life, oh my gosh, I would almost say that, and you've said this before, but it's true, the people are are really the most important. Uh, your best asset class. Yeah, 100%. And here's the other thing is, this is what I was thinking about, because I know that there's going to be another recession. I don't know if it's going to be next year. I don't, I don't know of course it's it gonna, will. The markets yeah. are going to correct. Right. But you don't want to know the number one thing to be recession-proof is to have the value mentality. Because that, no matter if the dollar dropped, no matter whatever happens, the people that create value and have that mindset are going to be okay. And that's why Robert Kiyosaki says, savers are losers. If all we're going to do, because then we're vulnerable, right? But if we can take control over our day, if we can prioritize, or is, did I say that right? If we can flip time. Flip time, yeah. <laughs> uh, if we can flip time, do the wildly important things or what the most important thing, be valuable to people, no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. Well, for someone who I... It was in the real estate business, commercial real estate business in the market correction in the 80s. That was the savings and loan crisis. And I, I saw the signs for this time around or the last time around the recession and the crash. People who are resourceful, yeah. I, they're going to figure yeah. it out. They're going to figure it out. And you're right. There is going to be something. I can't tell you what that something's going to be. I, and there are probably wiser people out there that can. What I will say is, is that markets are just constantly changing. Yeah. And shifting. And so it's it's just a fundamental of markets. Right. I love it. As you as you know, we like to end this podcast with what's called the legacy question. And this is this is a question that I again love asking people because I think it gets to the core of who they are. And it, the question goes like this: let's say you're you've lived an amazing, amazing life. You're with the people that you love the most, and you know for a fact that this is gonna be your last day on earth. What kind of conversations are you having with the people that you love the most on things that you've learned growing up as a kid, things that you've learned as a mother, things that you learned as a, a, a rising author, speaker, podcaster? What kind of what, what, what are you sharing with, with the people you love the most? I think that that is a lot of what happened when I started down my journey, my heroine's journey is I, I recognized hmm. that that is what ultimately we leave behind, right? We leave behind the relationships, the people we we touch, the people that we are that we can impact. And that there there's with podcasting and being an author, there the the reach is is so much greater. I would go back to my my family immediately though. And the thing about it is is that many people like project that out into the future. The thing is, is no one ever really knows. And so Hal Elrod has a, an affirmation mm -hmm. that's really powerful, that's really impacted me. And that's to love the life I have right now while I create and co-create the life of my dreams. Because I think that many people live their life and I'll have to confess that I did as well. Like, okay, when the kids, you know, start school, then I'll be happy or with <laughs> Yes, and, and waiting to live that best life. And that's why it's, it's not an or, though, because you, you, can, you can live your best life right now while you, and as you, and I added the co-create because I, I had an epiphany. Uh, these happen more and more because I think I'm or open to abundant thinking. And that was okay, so what if I create the life of my dreams and I don't have anybody to share it with? Oh, wow. That's like, you know, Jesus, you know. So what if you gain the whole world and you lose right. your soul? I mean, what if you gain 
whatever it is you think you want, and then you don't have anybody to share it with. That was when I realized it's a Mm co-creation. And if you think even bigger, it's a co-creation with with the universe. Some people say that's God, the higher power, whatever it is that you believe, you're co-creating and you're actually manifesting as change happens as you're living it. So the idea that it's both is very powerful. And so I would be embracing that. All right. So I'm going to try to summarize that. Yes. Okay. So what, what you're saying is, is to love the life that you're living. And if you're not make an immediate change and never get complacent and continue to dream and, and like, you know, visualize what the, what your dream future could be and make sure that you are living life now and in the future of the people that you love the most so that you can share your experiences. Yes. That's extremely powerful. And, and it's cool because you're living that out and I am a beneficiary. I'm, I'm a person that's benefiting from you being your highest and best. So how can people follow you, what you're doing, get your book, because we've only scratched the surface. There's so much more and almost, I wish we had, we recorded the other call and made that a bonus for people that are like, you know, cause it's just really cool for us getting to know each other for the first time. It's just so incredible that you're accomplishing all this and you started really, you started all this author kind of stuff and speaking after the air seven, 57, and you're, you're going to go for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Absolutely. When people ask me, I was like, what do you mean? I just got started. <laughs> I <love it. laughs> and, and I feel like a kindred spirit, even though we, we're not of the same era, but at the, at the same time, we have similar philosophies, right? So the Amazon is the best way to get the books, uh, five minute success or real estate success in five minutes a day, commit to get leads. Um, is also a 66-day challenge for five minutes a day. And then the Flip Time Love Life, which is a fable, a story uh, based on a heroine's journey. And Haley, the heroine, she goes through uh, many things that are similar to what we talked about. So if you, you want to find out more about a heroine's journey, you can get that book. And then the Website is the number five minute success Facebook group. Uh, really, everything is the number five minute success and the podcast five minute success. I would encourage everyone to check out the website, get the book. And Karen, it's such an honor, and I'm I'm excited to see what the future holds. And here's your success, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.